Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldana. It's been a wild freedom death of her father that Rebecca got total clarity that it was time to call in her children. Rebecca shares about the harassment she dealt with from the NHS midwives in England and how medical supposed midwifery felt wrong the entire time. She was unnecessarily and unfortunately transferred right before her son emerged and Rebecca shares how the sabotage of her birth also led to a sabotaged breastfeeding relationship. Four years later, Rebecca was thrilled to be pregnant again. She connected to the concept of free birth, found this podcast right here, and solidified her truth to birth her way, even in the absence of a supportive partner. My mothering journey began when, um, actually when my dad died. Um, my dad died when just after I'd finished studying um, for a master's degree in photography and I um, he just died very very suddenly and I guess it brought back round to me the importance you know what did I really want in my life it kind of uh, you know there were so many things that came from him dying like obviously a lot of grief um but like so many gifts that came from him dying and one of them was this like massive clarity I really want to have children Mm. like the time is now I don't want to wait um and I I guess there was always like that thing and this is probably quite common of people in their 30s oh you know I do really want to have children but you know at some point and like working at the moment and you know some point I'll do it. I did I did have a partner at the time. Um but he was kind he was younger um and he he kind of just wasn't there yet. Um but him my dad dying kind of brought this clarity of like I really, really want to have children and I don't want to wait. Um and I guess I can't remember how old I was then, maybe like thirty-three. Um so you know, I said this to my, my partner at the time and we were kind of a little bit rocky and, um, yeah, he just was like, I'm just, I'm just not ready. 
So after a while, we ended up going our separate ways. At that time, I also just happened to finish like a really big job. I'm a photographer and I just finished helping doing a film. Um, and I was really burnt out and I decided to just move, um, move house and go and live in a totally different part of the country and go and be my, with my sister and look after her children. Hmm. Um, so I just kind of ditched everything, became a waitress and, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm a childcare person <laughs> um, and went to live by the sea basically. Um, and I was single and, you know, didn't know what would happen. It was just like a whole new life basically. Um, now, as it happened in that summer, my partner came back to me and like had had time to think and was just like, actually, I do really want to be with you and I do want to have children with you. So we got out together um, and I clearly remember thinking like, this is like a really big um, part of my life. Like I can see that this is going to define like the next part of my life, like mm. the choice that I make here. Should I, you know, should we move forward with this or am I going to stay single and see what the future lies? Um, but in the end I did, I was like, you know, the draw of kind of having children and that ideal and, and that we would be back together and, you know, live happily ever after was like a nice idea, a really good idea. Hmm. So we got back together. Um, and at the end of that summer I was pregnant, Hmm. um, which was amazing. And I was like really happy. Um, but Strangely, I wasn't really sure exactly how he was going to take it. But, um, and as it happens, he then kind of doubled back and was completely freaked out. <laughs> but I think that's because we were kind of like remembering the reality of our relationship and we're a little bit rocky again. Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go forward after all. But, you know, there I was pregnant and I was absolutely delighted. I knew that I was just really happy and this is what was happening, you know, no matter what, basically. Um, so we went through a really hard time actually at the beginning of my pregnancy, but, um, in a way it was beautiful for me because I was in Cornwall by the sea and I spent the first three months just on my own down there, um, living in a shared house, just, um, being in the elements, walking in nature, swimming, um, just being very free. I didn't see a midwife at all during those first three months. Um, but then I felt, I kind of was like, well, my partner was in Bristol, which is further up country and I had a lot of friends up there. And I just kind of felt, well, perhaps it'd be nice to be up there again, where I'd come from, mm-hmm. um, in a, in a good network of women and lots of things that I could tap into. So I made a decision to move back up there near him as well, near my partner. Um, and, you know, he was still kind of very scared. He was scared um, of, I'm, I'm not sure, just like the unknown of it all. Sure. Really. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, yeah. And I think the reality of like coming back to me and saying, I do really want to have children with you, but then actually the reality of me being pregnant and <laughs> what that actually meant was kind of, you know, it was kind of, the, it was different mm-hmm. for him. He had a lot of things to sort of, you know, to face, I suppose, to, to grow, grow into. So we had a lot of conflicts, a lot of conflicts um, mm. in the beginning of my first pregnancy. Um, 
Um, that was really, really difficult. Um, we, we saw a counsellor and we didn't live together for a long time. Um, and uh, I made a choice to have, I had one scam in that pregnancy. Um, and so I, Did you know anyone who had kind of taken this hands-off approach and, and also what was, what was your plan in terms of how you were arranging your birth? Yeah, it was a good question. I kind of like, I just, I kind of didn't want to go into the system really. Um, I'd photographed a woman um, a few years before when I was working in London and she, she was a, it was quite a funny story. She was, um, she was a raw food kind of uh, advocate and she'd lost like a whole ton of weight by eating raw food and for some reason, I'd, I'd stayed on her email list, um, so I'd photographed her for a magazine, um, and I got her like raw food update things. And one of them was a video of her saying how she'd moved to Ecuador, and how she'd become, um, how she'd birthed like autonomously. And I was like, oh wow, that's like so interesting. Um, and I was like watching loads of different things like that, and reading lots of different. Um, books and I ordered like um, unassisted birth is the unassisted birth book and you know a few others that were not the normal kind of birth books and I was like really in not normal but like more mainstream birth books and I was really inspired by like the idea that somebody would give birth without kind of being in the medical system Mm -hmm. but I didn't really know I don't know. Like I had that in my mind. I was like, yeah, I want to do that. But then I came back to the city and to my partner and, you know, I've got two sisters who both have families and my mom was kind of like, oh, you know, you need to go and have the the scans. And, you know, she was worried about Down syndrome and all of these things because, you know, we've got somebody in the family who has Down syndrome and, she was kind of like, you know, you need to check that out. And mm. I felt pressure, as many women do, mm-hmm. <laughs> around those kind of things. Um, so I did have, have, have the one scan. And I guess like once I was in the system, that set the ball, ball rolling, like the tone. Yeah. Um, even though I had had this like really beautiful idea, like I had like a lot of resistance from my partner because we weren't even living together. He was like worried about me not having a scan, um, you know, through fear and the unknown. Um, but, you know, and that that was different. Um, I guess not many people know that many people that go down that route like right. it's not very common um I certainly didn't know anyone apart from my eldest sister um so I kind of drew, drew on her knowledge but it's kind of a lonely place to be when there's only really one person and that person lives miles away and um so once I'd kind of gone to see the midwife they were like oh you know I haven't been to see anyone for three months <laughs> <laughs> like, I was kind of like, well, I feel fine. So it's not really an issue to me. And I was quite shocked that they were like a bit kind of, you know, uppity about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I just felt really, every time I went for the appointments, I was just like, it's really weird. Like, 
it's just no one's really caring. <laughs> like it just felt so clinical. Um, and I refused lots of the tests, which they didn't really like, um, and kept pressurizing me to do them. Um, and then when I was like, I'm only going to have one scan, they were like, Ooh, that's strange. Um, and they gave me a midwife who I didn't like, and I didn't want to see her. So I tried to change practices. And then when I did that, I got a call from like the head midwife from the hospitals, you know, kind of, she was a bit jumpy, I think saying, you know, (sighs) why why do you feel like you need to change and and I explained that I didn't really feel like they were supporting me in a home because well, I wanted a home birth um so yeah and I just remember just every time I was in in the room with them it was kind of you know there just wasn't really I just didn't really feel any alignment with any of these women yeah. I was like well how am I going to there's just it just felt really strange like I don't even know these people it is strange yeah yeah good point so it is totally Um, weird you don't like know these people and you're just kind of thrust into this relationship that's kind of awkward and predicated on your subordination yeah and they were um and not only that they were like you know they said to me this is just obvious um yeah so whoever you're seeing in the clinic isn't necessarily going to be the person that comes to your birth anyway um so that was always just like, oh my God, like that's yeah. just so weird. So I can spend all this time going to all these people and then a complete stranger is going to turn up in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of time went on. I was getting nearer to the end of my pregnancy and I refused like lots of different things. Um, and I felt like they were getting a bit jumpy around me. It felt like I'd like given them those red flags about me, um, which is probably totally in my head, but <laughs> I, I obviously wasn't following the yeah. natural progression. Um, and so at 34 weeks, um, I went to have um, a fundal height measuring, or that was part of my um, assessment, you know, when I you know, go for your midwife appointment. And I had, they, they measured me with the tape measure. <clears throat> And they came back to me later and said, oh, you know, you're measuring small. Um, And I was like, okay. Um, And they they said, oh, we want you to go and have a growth scan. Hmm. And I was like, well, no, because I refused the second scan. And so I don't want, I don't want to go and have a growth scan. Um, Because they were saying, well, it's fine if, if, if you're, if we, if you have a growth scan and it's all fine, then you can go ahead with your home birth. But if it's not, then we, you know, we'll have to kind of think again, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, yeah. So I really don't want to go for the growth scan. I feel fine. Everything feels fine. I don't, you know, I don't feel the baby feels fine. The heartbeat's fine. There's nothing. I didn't really feel there was anything for me to worry about. I felt really healthy. I was walking every day. I was looking after myself. Um, you know, I just, I'd had loads of, you know, shiatsu along the way, you know, I was seeing alternative practitioners, you know, all the way along to kind of give me the support that I wasn't getting at the midwives. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I just felt like that everything was fine. Um, and then 
I, I said this to the midwife that, that had been assigned to me and they gave me one in the end that I would keep seeing because I think they, you know, they felt like I was jumpy, which I was because I was like, I just don't want to keep seeing all these different people. Um, and so she, she came, I spoke to her and she basically was saying, you know, this could, um, you know, there's, there's risks basically that this could be a risk, um, to your baby that you're measuring small, that, um, you know, the placenta might not be feeding the baby properly. Um, and that, you know, there's, there's risks to do with that. Um, it's just so bonkers because everybody knows that measuring and ultrasounds are, 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 you know, don't improve outcomes. Like measuring is, is a, is a facade. It's not evidence-based. And yes, it's possible what they just said, right? It's always possible. We could come (laughs) up, we could come up with a lot of things that are possible, but with a healthy mother who feels good to, to then like, gaslight you, you know, and act like you don't know what you're feeling or thinking and that we need to use a non-evidence-based piece of technology that actually has been proven to harm fetal tissue, therefore our babies, you know, on you. It's just, it's, it's just madness, man. Yeah, and exactly. And, and I, you know, I'd specifically did not decline the second one because of those reasons. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do this. And also I, I knew someone else who'd had to go in and have repeated scans like every couple of days. Of course. And I was like, I am not subjecting myself to that 34 weeks. There's just no way. I was just like, I'm just going to stay away. It's also just so bonkers that this isn't like, <laughs> I'm just such a broken record, but like this is a business that we opt into like it should be on our terms the it's a product these are services you know a massage therapist isn't telling you how many massages you need you know or 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 whatever your mechanic doesn't tell you you know what to do like these are services that you are opting into and it's so distorted and obviously not experienced that way but you know, I can't help but fantasize what it what it would feel like, right? If if these services were just available for us, but of course, the little lady can't decide for herself, right? No, we couldn't possibly absolutely. know that we need scans <laughs> or anything. I know it was it really felt like that. And then what happened was I had the mid uh, the head midwife of the hospital. So you know, you have to obviously you have to allocate the hospital. That, or, or yeah, that you're going to go to. And so that I had the head midwife call me at 34 weeks and reiterate what the midwife, my local midwife had told me. Um, basically, it was like about an hour long conversation of her telling me that if I didn't do this, my baby might die. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, for me, it just felt like, I just don't know why you're calling me. Like, I'm 34 weeks pregnant. And you're ringing me to tell me that my baby might die. Like, how is that caring for me? And also, like, ringing me up? Like, at least ask me to come into an office. Do you know what I mean? Like, ringing me on the phone where I've got no, like, you know, um, opt-out in a way. Uh Do you know what I mean? It's like, it was so, it felt felt so unprofessional. 
with me, actually, that she but did they, that. NHS does this. I mean, I've even had many yeah. women on the podcast specifically that have told me about the harassment of NHS and having the midwives harass them in their homes and show up at their homes. I mean, it's, it's uh, nuts. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, fine. You know, I'll, I'll think about what you've said. Um, <laughs> and then she followed that up with an email then um, reiterating everything that she'd said um, and, you know, just telling me that the, the, all these clinical trials that had been done, that this was, the, this was the reason that, you know, that I needed to be worried, basically. Um, and they needed to, to have a growth scan for reassurance, although it was my choice if I did it or not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and, but, you know, like she was very clear like that there could be poor outcomes, severe brain injury, breathing difficulties or death of the baby. And I was like, okay, this is really helpful at 34 weeks. Do you know what I mean? To <laughs> be putting these ideas into, you know, but a woman who's about to give birth. To know, scare you to into compliance. Yeah. Um, and um, she said, well, one of the things that I, I deeply remember was, um, and I printed off the letter recently, just have another look at it because I just want to remind myself because there was a partner that just was saying, um, Studies have shown that 45% of low-risk first-time mums who attempt home birth um, or birth in a midwife-led unit develop a complication during or shortly after labour, which requires transfer into an obstetric unit. In the event of transfer, the potential for harm to you or your baby is increased due to the inevitable delay in reaching help. I was just like, who attempt home birth? Yes. It's just like that for me was like the most patronizing thing that could have written. And I can in some ways understand their point of view because like they didn't have much to go on. Like I'd only had one scan so I can see that they were worried and that I wasn't ticking any of their boxes. Well, you're um, a walking liability. Yeah. But, yeah. but Rebecca, you would have been even if you had complied with everything. Because that's how women are treated. Even if they yeah. had all the fake information at their fingertips, you are still a disaster waiting to happen. And mm. they still need to save your baby from your broken body. Like that's, yeah. that's just <clears throat> how it is, right? Yeah. I mean, nothing to do with the fact that I'm a small person, my partner's small, the, pe- the women in my family are not big. You know, I don't know. It's just all... It was a stool. It was a lot at 34 weeks. There's a lot to deal with. Um, so then I was just like, okay, well, I'm not doing it. So that was that. Um, I moved, I carried on. Um, and then um, I went into, I went, went, you know, the last few weeks were fine. I'd made a, you know, birth plan. I was going to birth at home. I had my pool. Everything was ready. Um, I remember I, 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 lost my kind of mucus plug um I think on the Tuesday um not much happened until the next day the Wednesday um and um, what happened then I wait hold on sorry did you go get the scan no no I didn't do the scan damn you held strong no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, no, I'm not doing it because I just didn't want to be the mercy of having to go in every other day. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like not, 
I just could see how easily it could kind of come out of my grasp where I was. Do you know what I mean? Because I was mm-hmm. so close to the end. I could see that if I, it, one thing could lead to another really easily. And I, like I said, I felt totally fine. Everything to me was fine. You know, I felt good. I felt healthy. I felt happy. The baby, you know, for me felt happy. So that, that I kind of stayed with that really. Um, so kind of coming towards the end, I, I remember I, um, yeah, like I said, I, I lost, it started like on the Tuesday, um, and nothing, nothing big was happening. I lost my mucus plug and then, um, not a huge amount happened. I could feel like some sensations, um, and I think I went to bed that night thinking, oh, something happened. Um, but I don't think, I think that first night, not, not much had happened. Um, and then the next morning things started to be a bit stronger. Um, so I was just at home. Um, I didn't ring anyone. I had doula. She didn't come for a while. Um, and I don't know if she, I can't remember if she came that first night, but then I was up all night, um, on the Wednesday night, um, just walking around, walking, walking, walking. Um, like I, I thought, okay, I'm in labor. (laughs) Um, because I was just having like these repeated surgery pains. I couldn't sit down or lie down for any length of time. Um, so I just literally just been up all night. Um, so I was really tired the next day. Um, and we got the lady who'd been doing shiatsu. She came over and kind of gave me treatment. Cause I just felt like I was like up in the sky. Like I was like, whew, like way up there. Like just did not know what was going on. Yeah. Um, so she kind of grounded me a little bit, but then this continued on for the whole of the next day. Um, and then that night, I was just like, I just don't know what is going on. Like, what is going on? Am I in, like, is this labor? I've been already like so long. It felt like, um, you know, a whole day and a night. I was like, what, what is going on? So the midwife came, I, I, I think, I can't remember, I called the midwife. And it wasn't the midwife I'd been seeing at the clinic. It was a totally different midwife. That midwife had gone on holiday, which she had warned me might happen. <laughs> so, so I never met before um and I was just like I just don't know what's going on I've got no idea what's going on with this um so I she said well I can give you an, an exam and um an examination an internal examination and I was like yeah okay fine um because like it was so painful it was just these surges were so painful like I just didn't know what was going on um and she just said yeah, you're not in labor. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. What do you mean? She said, I think your baby seems to be back to back. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm not in labor. Like, I've just been like up for a whole night and a whole day, like with this pain. Um, and what, I'm not in labor? <laughs> like, I remember like so clearly like, what? Uh. What does that mean then? Um, so then I was up the, so she, I didn't, she, she left, um, 
And then I didn't see anyone again. Um, that whole night I was up again. So this was two nights um, in a row I'd been up and I was just walking, um, walking, walking, walking around. Um, I remember kind of saying to Dula, like, is this normal? Like, what is going on? Like, what, what is going on? Do you, have you heard of people being like this, this long? And she was just like, no. <laughs> anyway, so up, up a whole nother night, basically, in this excruciating uh. pain. And it was like, it was this pain was like pushing my hips forward and then pushing my bum back. And all I could do is walk. All I could do is walk around the house, just walk around the house, like... I was mm-hmm. so, so tired. Um, and the next morning I was just like, I'm just, I like so done. Like Mike had been up with me loads, but then he would be crashed out. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm just so tired. I just don't know what to do. Um, and then partway through that day, I was, um, oh, and then I had another load of midwives came and they were like, you know, looking at me. I can't even, it's so hazy because I was in, you know, in such a different place. Um, but then partway through that day, I was like violently like sick. Um, and my watches broke. So good. Yeah. So that was good. Um, and I was in the bathroom. Um, but the midwife was kind of like coming in to monitor the heartbeat all the time. Um, and then, you know, I had the lady who, who'd done shiatsu was over again because I was just like, somebody, I need help. And Mike had called her and she came. So I had like quite a few people in my house. And basically my labor stalled. I mean, unsurprisingly, what I know now, but at the time I was just like, oh, this can't be. Um, So I just, just by this time, I was just like so fed up with kind of people meddling with me. She'd been like, she she was doing the heartbeat, but then she wouldn't say anything. She would do it. And then she was silent. So Um, I was just like, well, what, like, what's going on? Like, and then she was like, oh yeah, you're not really that dilated. And so it was just like this thing, this first midwife told me I wasn't even later than this one was like, oh, you're only this much. And I was uh, so disheartened. I was like, so disheartened. Um, so time went on. I basically completely stalled. Um, I was really pissed off by this point. And I was just like, I said to Mike, I just want them all to get the fuck out of my house, get them out of my house. I don't want them here. Just get everybody away, get them away. (laughs) Um, so I just kind of like walked around twiddling my nipples <laughs> upstairs, just going singing and just singing to the baby, like, it's okay. Aww. It's time to come out. You know, everything's fine. It's all going to be good. We're so excited to meet you. Um, I kind of just went on like this. Um, and after a while I got myself back in labor. I mean, I say I got myself back in labor either way. Like it just, you know, I was relaxed enough for it to come back because I was on my own. Um, again mm-hmm. I'm kind of shocked they didn't transfer you <sighs> yeah I don't know what happened um, and then the midwives changed shift again so then I had then I had some more midwives come and I think the doula got quite jumpy at this point because um, I told everyone to go away and she was like a bit freaked out because um, she could maybe hear me going back into labor and she thought I don't know. I don't exactly know what happened. Um, cause at this point I was like two days, you know, and two nights in, I was just completely like out of it, exhausted. Um, yeah. and then, so then I was just with Mike and I was just kind of singing a bit. And then another midwife came into my room and sat in the corner and she was actually amazing. She sat in the corner. She didn't look at me at all. She was rubbing my leg. She was really encouraging. 
so nice. I remember her name was Ali. She was really, really nice. Um, but by that point, I think I was just so exhausted. I couldn't do anything, basically. It was just like, it was there. It was all coming. But I was just, there was no oomph. You know, there was nothing left in me. Um, so then there was another midwife out the door taking the heart rate details. Um, and then the head midwife from the hospital came to my house. <laughs> so, and the old, oh the old midwives hadn't left yet. I don't know. I don't know how this happened. So basically then I had five midwives in my house, including, including the midwife from the hospital. Come on. Um, and then I remember like a lot of them, like maybe three of them in my room and then saying, just put your leg up on there um, and just try this. And if that doesn't work, we're going to have to transfer you. So um, after a while, they were like, yeah, we're just going to like, we'd like you to come in and come on a drip. And I was like, I need, I need you to all leave the room and I'm going to make a decision. Um, and so I said to my partner, I said, do you know what? I'm just so done. I'm so tired. Yeah. I just can't. So I went in an ambulance there to the hospital um, it was a really short, it was a very short journey away. Um, they took me in. Um, I think I was extremely lucky that I had, um, a midwife on duty and she just kind of looked at me and she was just, she just said to me, um, do you know what? You're just so, so close. Like just listen to my voice and nobody else's voice and just that's it. And she, she kind of talked about it, taught me through. She, she, drained my bladder um I was on my back um which was really difficult at that point but I, I actually don't think I could have done anything different because I was so unbelievably tired I think they gave me a can of coke as well to like give me some energy <laughs> um and then I just met, remembered like having to push like and yeah eventually he just he just came out um mm-hmm. after a lot of pain <laughs> and, oh, so how long were you there at the an hospital hour. um Wow. Yeah, so he's born. Thank God, at, you're so oh close. So yeah, he was born at 10 p.m. that night. So it was a long time. So I was really pleased um, because I didn't. Nothing had happened. Um, I hadn't had anything. So I'd had had the natural birth I wanted, but obviously not not in the location. Yeah, I wanted. Um, they whisked him. They cut the cord really quickly. They whisked him onto some oxygen, and then they, they gave him back to me. Mm. Um. Yeah, and I I stayed for a while, but then they basically said that my partner couldn't stay and the baby, and that he couldn't be with me. He had to be in a crib. So I decided to leave hospital um, that night, and we just went home. We all went home. Good. Um, so, yeah, that was... Wow. How does that all, how does that all, like, leave you in that first year? I had a really terrible postpartum. I couldn't breastfeed. I really struggled for three months to breastfeed. Um, I had kind of like the first 10 days of um, just terrible feeding, basically, and was so scared to kind of get proper help. In the end, I had to go back into hospital with my son. um, And, you know... To have some bottles and pumping and and all sorts, yeah. So yeah, it left me with a lot of sadness and yeah, wishing I a big deal. Had, a, had a changed it really. 
it took me a long time to get over it <laughs> basically yeah of course um yeah it was just a real fight I think real fight even postpartum you know the first three months was just really 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 hard and I think it was you know is it Sarah Jane Buckley talks about the hormonal pathways is that the right word um yeah the hormonal just and I could now like now I know what I know now I realized that that was just all so interrupted so it's not really surprising that the breastfeeding was so hard um um it took me a long time to get pregnant again I had a miscarriage in between um and then I got pregnant again um four four years later um, in total after my first, after my son with a miscarriage in between. Um, and I was, you know, delighted, just really delighted. Um, I was 42, um, no, 41. Um, and I, I kind of just didn't really know. I knew that I was not going to do it the way I done it the first time. Um, but I didn't really know, am I just going to get an independent midwife? Um, and just completely like, I knew that I, I knew at the very least I was getting an independent midwife. That was, I was never going to go back into the system. That was absolutely out of the question. That was just, I was not going to do that again. Absolutely not. I still hadn't really like decided what I was going to do. And this was six months in. Um, and I was at something with my son and I, I sort of randomly met this woman at this sort of home education, um, thing because my son I home educate my son and um she I was asking about doulas and she told me of a local doula and and I thought oh maybe it's good to have to know somebody local um and just chat to them um just to see you know is this the way I'm going to go and so I got in contact with this woman I emailed her and I was like oh here you're local you know I'd really like to just come and chat to you um and she messaged me back and she said, yeah, um, I'm a doula. Um, I actually free birthed my child. And I was like, oh, wow. And straight away, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, Had you heard about it I was before? Like, well, like I said, with my first birth, I'd heard of this woman right. in Ecuador that had done it. So it was just almost like this looping back. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. That's what I wanted to do the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah totally I'm just I want to do this so I met with her she was really kind I met with her quite a few times to like talk over how she'd done it um she told me about you guys about free birth society um and I um kind of tapped into that and started listening she told me about the podcast and I started listening to all the stories which um was just amazing I was just but just the more I listened and the more I kind of went and chatted to her about her fever, the more I was cementing it all in my mind. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do, basically. Um, so I, I, in my second trimester, I still hadn't, um, I hadn't seen anyone, I hadn't had any testing or been to a medical person at all. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I'll meet with um, a midwife just to keep my options open and because my partner and I had kind of talked about that um and to kind of talk about my fears which I did um and she was it was really great to go through some things with her 
Um, but in the end, I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna free birth. <laughs> and was it an um, NHS or an independent? No, midwife? no, it was an independent. Yeah. So my partner at this point was like, oh yeah. So <laughs> I was the midwife, and um, I was like, yeah, you know, let's um, let let's see how it goes. I haven't quite decided and I'm going to meet with the doula again. And, um, yeah. And sort of that's how we, how far we'd gone with that really. Um, but then one evening we were kind of having a chat and he was like, so what are you going to do? It's like, (laughs) we're at six months. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm, you know, there's some options I could kind of think about doing on my own. He was like, yeah, like what, like totally on your own. And I was like, well, you know, there's a possibility. <laughs> and he was, he was very shocked. Um, and he, yeah, I think he was, well, looking back now, I can see that he was very, very scared. Um, but kind of in the conversation, how it happened, it was more, um, more kind of, uh, the fear kind of came came out a bit more aggressively I suppose Mm. so we kind of had this sort of like confrontation over it um and I was like well yeah I think I could I could do this um and because I guess he'd kind of come at this from like behind where I was at and I had a lot of information I'd been mulling it over a long time um yeah he was really really fearful and yeah basically he was just saying to me if you if anything was to go wrong, then, you know, I, it would be, I wouldn't be able to not blame you essentially because. Whoa. Yeah. Just kind of, I guess he just felt like how could he shoulder that responsibility because it felt like he wasn't, wouldn't be part of that decision. Mm. Um, Wow. So so that's a really big deal. It was a big statement. (laughs) Yeah, it was a pretty big statement. Like, if something goes wrong, I'm going to blame you. Um, I think, you know, knowing knowing kind of what what we know now and, you know, time, time, you know, is an amazing healer, isn't it? And, you know, he was just very, very scared and just didn't really know what that meant um, and hadn't, you know, ever encountered in it, uh, mm-hmm. encountered it. So it was, you know, a huge deal for him. Um, so how does that look for the rest of your pregnancy? Like, do you kind of keep it pretty nonchalant or are you like, I'm free birthing, deal with it? Or like, how does it, because it sounds like you knew that this was what you were going to do. Yeah, I knew. Um, I was kind of, I kept it, I saw the midwife again, but mainly to kind of talk through fears again and to kind of do some, um, Oh, I've forgotten the word. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, we, we basically couldn't speak about it because it was too emotive. It mm. was too, we were, we were really kind of coming up against each other. And I just was like, oh, I just can't, I just don't want to have this kind of like argument about it when I'm this pregnant. I just was like, I just can't, I can't go into it. I can't go there. Um, so I didn't. <laughs> basically. I just kind of carried on, carried on my planning. Um, I think I saw the doula a couple of times just to chat through, you know, we were just regular chatting, like, you know, how she dealt with, you know, bits and pieces of the free birth. And it was really good to have that 
perspective. Um, and I also decided quite late on, um, I think I had like a month or month and a half to go, um, that I would enroll on the course on the free birth course. Um, so I set up like in the nights when I was awake, which was often with like pregnancy insomnia. And I just like did all my reading <laughs> at that time in the middle of the night, like three in the morning, I'd get up and do my reading at the course, which was really comforting. And and were you purposely kind of keeping that secretive? No, I just, I just couldn't, we just couldn't really go there together. So um, did he drop it? Yeah, he dropped it. Um, cause we'd had like a pretty big argument over it, like really quite full on where we'd both got really, really up, intensely upset. And I just was like, I just don't want to put myself in that position. Like I don't want to raise my, um, my level of anxiousness or upset, mm-hmm. um, over this. I just kind of was just like, this is what I'm doing basically. Um, so this is what is going to happen. <laughs> and, oh, that's it. I remember the word. With the midwife, we'd done like a family constellation where you kind of, where you kind of pick and you work through a scenario, but without the other person there. So we'd done that. And so I kind of had worked through it in my own way. And I'd called upon this um, ancestor um, to, to be with me and kind of spoken to Mike's ancestor um, and I know that sounds really funny, but it was just like this way of, um, connecting in with each other and looking mm. at where he was at from a different point of view and where, you sounds know, cool. it was amazing actually. And it was really helpful. And that kind of led me through knowing that this would turn around, um, and that I just needed to stay strong and, so I did. Yeah, that's what I did. I just decided, well, this is what's happening. Um, and we moved further through to the end and we talked about me doing uh, a plan and I wrote that out um, one night and gave that to him, which was kind of exactly as, exactly how I wanted everything to be, basically. And, that, and the last um, while we were so much more aligned and mm. he was really supportive and was with me. And That's once great. Read, yeah. Once he'd read like through the birth, through my plan and how I really wanted it to be, I think he felt more in the know as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think so, this is important, I think to highlight because from where I sit, what I see very frequently is women unsupported in their in their desire to free birth and then because they're unsupported by their scared husbands they stop like that's like that's the the thing that then is missing and they they hire the midwife they um you know go to the hospital and so what this story highlights which i've seen so consistently with free birthers is they want a free birth. Husband doesn't support them. They say, I'm doing it anyway. You need to get on board because this is happening. And then they do and they get on board. And it's not without tension. It's not without conflict. It's not without uh, breaking through some old 
threads of the relationship, right? Because for many women, this will be the first time in her marriage that she has really staked a claim. And so it can be incredibly confronting to the old paradigm of their, of their relationship. But, you know, like your story and so many that I know, it follows that formula. It's like first the partner's like, Ugh, hell no, Mm-mm. you know, and there's some scary stuff there. There's some drama, there's some fighting. And if the woman is truly committed like you, it was like, it's going to happen either way, but I want the support, duh. We all want the support. Yeah. And in fact, it is going to be damaging to our marriage if I don't have it. Like, let's let's be real. If I If you don't get on board with this, like there will be a fracture of trust that occurs, right? Because this is so important. And, and so I'm very happy to hear that he figured that out. And, and, like, and, and I guess I'm just saying to any listeners, like if this is your first time considering free birth, and obviously you can't make a broad statement like this, but I have seen this pattern play out a lot where once the woman fully commits and is like, it's happening, you need to get on board with me. Um, it happens very, 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 very often. Not always, obviously, but um, I guess all of that rambling is to really say, like, you got to do you, and you got to follow what's right, <laughs> what's right for you and your baby. And if we, if we're asking for permission and waiting around on our fearful husband's support, um, we can really sabotage, you know, what what's here for us. Yeah. And I, and I was like, I'm just doing this. I'm absolutely doing this. And like you say, it would have been really foolish of him to go against me because it would have, that would have been a massive thing. Oh my God. Um, just huge. So, you know, was, and I was really grateful that he, he came around in a, Mm -hmm. in a good way. And we had a really good last few weeks, actually really beautiful time. Um, feeling like you know very close and we we really worked hard to kind of you know be be one towards the end and I think kind of writing out everything that I really wanted was really helpful for him yeah helped him Um, picture it helped him really see in words Mm -hmm. exactly what I wanted rather than just kind of like me having a lot of this information that I'd read and known and intrinsically felt and him you know you know, I think it's very easy for us to kind of know that, but then like he needed it in black and white because Mm -hmm. there was so much more that he needed to know. Um, So what happened? Right. I was about roughly 40 weeks. Um, I, my waters broke. Um, I, it was very early in the morning around 6am and I just felt a pop. Um, I, I kind of, but it wasn't much it wasn't like a big gush so I was kind of still very sleepy my son was in the bed with me and I was like okay I think I walked to the bathroom just kind of checked it out um it was just like this leaking feeling um so I didn't really pay a huge amount of attention to it um that day that kind of carried on happening it wasn't a lot um but it was yeah it was like a I I would say it's like a leaking. So I was like, this started me off on this kind of situation. I was like, what is going on? Um, and then I was like trying to work out, oh, you know, who, what happens if your waters don't 
properly break? What does this mean kind of thing? So I went on this search to sort of see what that meant. And I kind of was like, okay, well, I just need to rest. So I tried to rest, but I was really restless and was really fighting the rest. Um, because the more I rested, the more I was kind of like, my mind was starting to kind of go into, yeah, kind of a negative space. Um, cause nothing was really happening. There was just this leaking. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of rested a bit that day by the evening. I was pretty restless. And then I went to sleep the next morning, nothing. Um, and then all that day I was like, oh, okay, everything says you just must rest. <laughs> but I was still was like, but I just, I just feel so weird resting. Um, and so by that evening, I, I decided that I'm just going to go for a walk. But I, by that, I was starting then to have some intense kind of feelings. Um, so much so that I didn't want to kind of go for a long walk, but I, I kind of wanted to get out. Um, and I went and sat under sort of a favorite tree that I went to a lot when I was pregnant. And I was just kind of, you know, thinking, well, what's going on here? Um, but the more I, I just couldn't relax. Basically my mind started to go, I started to go into this really dark place of like, but you know, what if nothing happens now and I have to go to hospital? It's like this, this spiral downwards basically was starting to come and no amount of me trying to kind of keep out of it was happening. And I was fixated on the fact that, okay, I need to rest because I'd had such a long first birth. I was like, in my mind, I was like, I cannot think that I'm going to have a short birth because it was just like, you know, like 50 hours or something with my first one. I was like, there's no way that I can think that it, this is going to be short. So I'd started to basically freak out. <laughs> so, um, this happened. Um, my son went to bed and it was kind of evening time and I was properly like, like getting stressed thinking, oh, well, maybe I should go to the hospital, maybe I should get tricked out, but I haven't seen anyone the whole of my pregnancy. Nobody's seen me. If I go to hospital, like, what am I going to do? What is that going to contend with? That's going to open up this massive can of worms. So I started to go on this vibe, basically, which I knew was not a good place to be going, but I literally could not stop my mind. Mm. So I rang the doula that I'd been in touch with, and I was like, oh, I'm just going crazy. Like, um, my, you know, my waters are broken, but nothing's really happening. Um, and she said, well, look, I know, I, I know someone, another doula, she's Spanish. Um, I know that her waters broke like on the Wednesday and she didn't have her baby till like the following Friday. I could give you her number. Um, so I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, well, anything. So I eventually, we eventually spoke, um, after like quite a few hours of me, like, like spinning around in my head. And um, she just said to me, she said, tell me the whole story. And, and I, knew, I knew she'd free birth as well. So it was like, I felt like it was a, you know, she was a nice person. I felt like aligned with her. Mm -hmm. So we had a little brief chat, not long. Um, and at the end of it, she just said, well, it just seems to me that you're in labor. <laughs> and I was like, it was like this light going on. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm in labor. But because I had nobody here, it was just me going through this. I, I hadn't really told anybody else mm -hmm. that I was free birthing. I didn't have any female friends that could come. I didn't really feel my family. I didn't even tell my family I wasn't um, having a midwife because I just didn't want to take on their fear at all. I just felt that was the best protection for me. 
So I was just alone, basically. Mm. So her just saying to me, you're a neighbor. I don't know why. It just flipped my whole head. And I, I just, from that point onwards, I was fine. She just said, just repeat to yourself, I'm in labor. And isn't this great? Or something, something really positive like that. Just something really short. And, I was, and then all the fear just disappeared. It was just gone. Mm, that's so and sweet. It was amazing. Yeah, Magic it was of amazing. women, huh? It was just amazing. <laughs> this person I've never met in a totally different country, never spoken to before. And she just said, you know, the right thing at the right time. Um, which could have been completely the opposite scenario as well. When you reach out for help. Mm-hmm. It could have, you know, it could have been much worse, but, you know, it could have taken me down a different road, but it didn't anyway. So um, from that point onwards, all night, um, and I realized that I had really been having a lot of waves, but I hadn't really thought that I had because I hadn't properly, I don't know, my waters hadn't properly broken. Um, so all night I was on my own, basically um, in the dark completely dark I tried to kind of put some candles on but the flickering was just just annoyed me so much I was just completely in the dark <laughs> all night long by myself and I all the time through my pregnancy I was like I really want to be like mostly giving birth at night I really don't want my whole family to be awake because mm-hmm. <laughs> my summer's gonna be here um I just kind of visualized this whole nighttime birthing and it was really like that all night long and then everybody woke up at like between six and seven and like I was you know fully moving forward I was in you know quite in quite deep by that point things were quite close together I hadn't slept all night um you know I was feeling like this very intense feelings I'd kind of I really wanted to get in a pool but I just didn't really know how to really (laughs) reach out and get my partner to fill it up um so I kind of went in the shower a little bit my son was came in my room or was sort of clambering over me a little bit. And I was just like, oh gosh. <laughs> he was very sweet though. He was like, um, squeeze my hand, mummy. If it hurts. <laughs> it's just been like, I remember like little flashes of that. And then also seeing my two cats just asleep, snuggled up the whole time, just thinking, oh, I can't believe you. You look so peaceful and happy. And here I am at the end of the bed. So all this kind of craziness was going on, getting my son up and breakfasted and everything. Um, and it all the while getting more and more tense. It was probably around um, nine a.m. or something. I was in and out of the shower, and I, you know, it was like I really want my pool up. And my partner was like, "Okay, I'll go off and do it." And he went off for like what's it like? I was like, "Where is he? What is he doing?" <laughs> so I was just still on my own basically. Um, and then my son was like, "I'm going next door to my next door to the next to the neighbors," and I was like, "Great!" Um, and things are feeling like fairly intense by this point. And he left and I went into the other room, which had a futon on the floor because I'd been standing up the whole night, just grabbing onto the end of the bed, like feeling Mm. this surge is going right through me. So I just instinctively kind of just went into the front room, went on all fours on the futon and just, I basically like called my partner. Um, I then projectile vomited loads and my actual waters, like my hind waters then broke like massively at the same time as it was just a complete mess um and then my I was like I want my I want the pool he's like should I go and do it and I was like no it's no time I was like don't leave me and I was just like squeezing his hand really hard um and then she was I was like well, but why am I feeling like this pushing? This is like, what's going on? Because I was thinking, surely it needs to be longer. Like, why am I, it needs 
to be longer because time is just so strange, isn't it? When you're in that mm-hmm. zone. Um, but she was basically coming and that was that. And she just was like, I'm coming. And so I kind of felt this real pushing. And I guess that was probably for about 20 minutes. It wasn't, it wasn't total pushing, but she, it was really, really fiery and intense. Um, and I remember like my partner was kind of, near my head like and he was breathing on me and I was like don't fucking breathe at me (laughs) just properly shouting at me and then he was like at one point he went around the back and he was like oh my god I was like don't go around don't look at me (laughs) properly shouting getting all the question out for my pregnancy obviously um and then yeah and then she literally came within 20 minutes and I remember um, but she was crowning for a little, for a few pushes. And I was just like, I just want her out so badly. Um, and then it's later Mike said that she blinked at him when she came out. But he was oh, like, the best. yeah, he was like under strict instructions not to touch her. her. So oh he eventually kind of came out, um, just plopped onto the futon. And I, yeah, I think I, I kind of had a moment of like there she is um and picked her up and then Hmm. kind of sat back yeah um Mm. but the last it was just so so mad the last 20 minutes it was just so quick really considering the whole rest of the time being quite long and yeah so that was that how did you know how did you know that it wasn't a complete rupture of your membranes which part the how did the, you kept saying that the that the water didn't properly break how did you know that um well i didn't basically um oh. i just trusted that everything felt fine um and i knew that as long as i there was no infection the no chance of infection that i would be fine I just um, meant when when you were talking about when your first part of the waters leaked yeah. before you were really in labor, you yeah. said like they hadn't properly opened. And yeah. I was wondering how, how you were able to know that. Well, I just, I mean, I guess, well, I didn't. I guess I kind of thought, okay. well, I kind of thought my waters had broken, which is why I went into this dark fear place because I was like, well, what's going on? Why is nothing happening? That's why I was mm-hmm. freaking out basically because I was like, well, you know, why am I not going into labor? So this is why I was kind of going down this rabbit hole of like, well, maybe I need to go to the hospital and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm super happy that I managed to relax and go into the second part without, you know, just basically getting over that that fear Mm -hmm. and getting over my own mind. and so many women have said it, but it, you know, it is that part of your mind that you, that is the thing, isn't it? That you really have to move through that, that part and, and find your trusting self. And it is it's really hard to get, to get out of that thinking brain. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're alone, you know, yeah, I mean, I had no is... one to reassure me or right. tell me that I was <laughs> And it it is such a sweet story that you were able to be connected to someone who's kind of been there. And even though she was a stranger, just the the gift of of women, you know, (laughs) that she could 
just tell you what you needed to hear and speak so kindly and just be like, you're in labor and that that's all you needed to hear. It made me think of, I had a wild pregnancy as well. And, and, you know, it was very like, oh, I'm doing this on my own. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, my mom around maybe 15 or so weeks, um, palpated my belly and we listened. We, we, you know, couldn't hear much with yet. Um, we could hear the placenta and she, she palpated my belly and she went, yep, you're pregnant. And I burst into tears. Oh. And I was like, I am? <laughs> like, really? You know, it was like just so sweet that it really, I, I guess I'm just relating to that sense of validation from another yeah. woman, you know, and, and it, it is so meaningful. And this is what we need to do for each other and be available, you know, for each other for this because so many women are walking this path, you know, quite lonely and, um, and that's kind of where we're at until it's not, you know. So, um, yeah, I really hear that on the, the the kind of dark trip in the beginning. And I think that is the the mind, you know, like collecting, trying to collect evidence to pathologize because that's all we've ever been taught, and that's what happened in your last labor. And and I certainly did that after my labor lo- got long. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm just so glad that you had a woman to talk to. And for anyone listening who doesn't know this, I want to make sure it's said that. Um, Leaking fluid all the way to a full, complete rupture with no significant labor is incredibly common. So I want anyone who's planning to free birth, you know, to know that 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 doesn't that doesn't mean really anything. Now, of course, it would be different if there was, let's say, meconium and you got a fever and there was no labor after multiple days. And of course, there's there's extreme situations that aren't really that common. But I know many, many, many women who water's open um, and nothing happens for 24 to 72 hours. Um, so that is that is a piece of your story that we really need to normalize, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, because we don't see this in industrial birth because everyone would get, you know, augmentation very quickly. Um, so yeah, yeah and I think important. I I think that's the, I was so worried because I hadn't heard of it that often, and I sure. tracked back through all the kind of um, the the videos that you guys have done in the in the course to like, where can I get this information? I remember like searching for it, like um, really trying to put my mind at rest about that because there's not a huge amount of information out there. And, Mm -hmm. but having said that, I was also really looking out for any other signs that might be exactly, I was looking out for meconium or anything like that. But because I hadn't had any, any of that, I knew that I just had to just, yeah, just, just trust who are you now that you have free birth? How has this changed you as a woman? I think I, I kind of found a deeper power, a deeper strength through doing this. And I thought that would be really immediate. I thought that would be like, as soon as I birth, I would feel this like amazing empowered woman, which I did feel, but I think it's also been a really slow burner. Like it's come out in, loads of different areas of my life and it's still coming out and I I feel like it that is just only the beginning now in a way I feel like it's just given me the gift of um I kind of felt like through my free birth I kind of rebirthed myself in a way because I was so disempowered in my first birth in a way and this really just brought me back to myself and just 
show me what I can do basically when, yeah, that show me what I could do and what I can handle. And, and because I stayed really strong in my partnership, um, I think that's been a gift for our partnership as well. Um, to, to set some boundaries about what, and to stand up for what I really believe in. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to see if your relationship can really grow with that and hold that, you know, and, and obviously it can. And I think that's a big part of why women don't do it and why they don't push and, and stand in it is they, I think whether they're, going to say it or not, I think they're really afraid that their marriage won't be able to hold that kind of power and that kind of growth and that kind of um, feminism, really. And 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 yeah. maybe it won't, wouldn't, you know? I mean, I've, I've also seen tons of relationships not be able to hold a woman growing into her power. So I appreciate your courage to do it. And and I'm thrilled to hear <laughs> that your marriage has, has been able to shift yeah, and grow and with I think. It. I think it was good for him. Yeah, I certainly think it was really good for him because he grew a huge amount through this as well. Um, and, bet, you know, yeah. learning to kind of stand by your woman is pretty pretty cool as well, I'd say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. I love this story. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Emily. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shia Ray, And now I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design i will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me my sisters will no longer birth in captivity the picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes strapped down in a clinical white bed drying up the milk from our breasts keep your needles My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the start.